Okay, stand by. Broadcasting from the Cruise Radio Studios in Jacksonville, Florida, this is Cruise Radio. Hey, I'm Matt Bassford. And I'm Doug Parker. Check out our new website, cruiseradio.net. On this show, we'll talk to a listener who's staying at the Atlantis in Nassau, Bahamas, who made the choice to brave Hurricane Irene. We'll also check in with Jennifer Detoso from the Weather Channel. But first, Stuart Sheeran, the cruise guy, is here. Hello, Stuart. Hey, Matt. Hey, Doug. Hey, man. Let's get right to it. Over a dozen ships had itinerary changes. Thank you, Hurricane Irene. Any major changes, Stuart? Well, it's been a it's been a rough week. Uh, a lot of the ships in the Caribbean as well as in the Bahamas have had to uh, shift. Bermuda actually was affected in the sense that uh, they had to cut the uh, sailings there. The you know the time in in Bermuda short by a day in order to get the ships back into the Baltimore New York harbors uh, so they can uh, beat Irene and get out of there um, ahead of the storm, which is uh, on her way up. But uh, it's it, look, it's good news, and that's the beauty of these floating resorts. And that you know, dealing with hurricanes is it's not a tornado, it's not an earthquake. It doesn't just you know happen without warning. Um, and uh, and that, that's one of the many advantages of sailing on a, on a cruise ship during this time of year. So, Stuart, let's use Holland America's Veen Dam for an example. They left Bermuda a day early to get back to New York, but they'll be getting back to New York a day early. Will that ship just sit in port the whole time during the hurricane? The, the, the ships will be gone. Okay. And it's just like when, uh, like last week, when uh, on Sunday, when uh, Royal Caribbean and Carnival were ordered by the Port of San Juan to leave early. Um, you know, Bermuda, you know, same thing. They had to leave early in order to get out of there on time. But sometimes the ports uh, supersede, you know, the cruise line schedules, and the cruise lines have to acquiesce in order to protect the ship and the passengers. I'm going to guess the answer to my next question is no. But when acts of God like this happen, do the cruise lines compensate? No, there's there's nothing to compensate. Right. Uh, they're having to make these uh, uh, changes in order to protect the ship and the passengers. So right. nothing to compensate. And look, cruise lines have the the right to change ports and itineraries and schedules at any time for any reason without uh, any compensation due to the passengers, which is stated and uh, included in the in the passenger uh, contract. Let's talk about the cruise line's private islands in the Bahamas, like Half Moon K and Coco K. When a storm blows through, what do those people do? Well, you know, that's a good question. And the, the, the cruise lines do staff the islands. Uh, and, I mean, there, there are people that live in each of the islands or the private beaches uh, almost year-round. So in this case, um, you know, the direct hit, uh, you know, uh, Eleuthera, which is, uh, you know, one of the Bahamian islands where uh, Princess is, um, they had to they had to evac- evacuate the the, uh, the island uh, along with the people. So, you know, the staffs worked uh, diligently over the past several days to secure the facilities, and then they had to get evacuated. This this includes you know Royal Caribbean and uh, and NCL up by Great Stir of Cay uh, and uh, Disney, uh, Princess Holland America. All those islands had to get uh, evacuated, and Princess uh, was right in line with uh, a direct hit uh, today. Well, now, Princess wasn't actually, they don't actually have their own private island, right? They have a private beach. Right, okay. Which is part of Eleuthera. Oh, they got hammered then. Oh, so, yeah, they, they got hammered, and, uh, you know, there's no, there's no word on it. But uh, in the Grand Turks, uh, the good news is that uh, the island only sort of, uh, experienced minor damage and that the uh, cruise center uh, is opening up on Saturday. Now, that cruise center is one that Carnival built specifically for them, right? Correct. Okay. Two cruise lines left passengers in San Juan, Puerto Rico. Uh, what cruise lines were they, and, and how did that all end up? Well, um, there was uh, Carnival Victory and uh, Royal Caribbean's uh, Serenade of the Seas. Uh, the Port of San Juan, um, 
ordered both uh, cruise lines to get their ships uh, out um, essentially by 6.30, which was uh, about two to three hours sooner than, than what was scheduled. And about 450 passengers uh, between the two ships were left behind. Um, there really wasn't much uh, you know, they could do. Uh, they had to get the ships out of the way uh, in order to uh, you know, protect the ships and, and the passengers. But um, the way both lines handled it was very different. Royal Caribbean stuck to corporate policy, and um, you know, for their, uh, I think it was like 350 passengers or so, uh, if they did not book the air through them, then it was their responsibility to get themselves to the next port where Carnival, on the other hand, uh, put their passengers up at a hotel for a couple nights and also covered their flights to Barbados, which was the next foreign port of call uh, on the itinerary. So they were handled two different ways. Uh, Obviously, I think everyone would agree that Carnival handled it much better. Yeah, why would Carnival be in Puerto Rico until 10 o'clock at night anyways? Well, it's just to give passengers an opportunity, one, uh, because of the the flights, a lot of flights you know tend to get into Puerto Rico late, mm-hmm. but it also gives the passengers an opportunity to go experience uh, the the Puerto Rican nightlife. Gotcha. It's it's a very beautiful city at night uh, to be able to see the El Moro Castle, to go to some of the clubs or the restaurants, or just kind of walk around Old San Juan. Uh, and it just, uh, it's just, it's it's almost like another port of call. Well, this segues perfectly to our listener email. You can always email comments at cruiseradio.net. Carnival Victory departs San Juan on seven-night Southern Caribbean sailings. As we know, Puerto Rico is a U.S. territory. Uh, the question is, do U.S. citizens need passports? And the answer is no, that uh, it's considered uh, just like any other U.S. city where your proof of citizenship, this is actually the loophole in the Western Hemisphere Travel Initiative where U.S. citizens can still bring a certified or original copy of the birth certificate along with a government-issued photo ID. What about those passengers who are flown to Barbados? Well, that's a good question. And uh, the good news is that uh, Barbados would, would, ex- would accept um, the government-issued photo ID along with the um, birth certificates as proof of citizenship, thus allowing the uh, Carnival passengers to uh, enter Barbados without their passport. All right, if you look in the dictionary next to know-it-all, there's Stuart's picture. (laughs) Thanks, guys. If you want to be kept up to date on the current ship repositions from Hurricane Irene, just check out our website, cruiseradio.net. It's right there on the front page. Have you been dreaming lately about a romantic tropical cruise to the Caribbean? Cruise One. Or how about a breathtaking scenic cruise to Alaska? Cruise One. Or how about the Mexican Riviera? Or Cancun. Hazard. Or New England. Or Canada. Or Italy. Or Greece. Or the Far East. Or how about a cruise around the whole world? Cruise One. Got a dream vacation for you. Cruise One has more than 550 cruise specialists nationwide ready to help you plan your dream cruise. And speaking with a local Cruise One expert is as easy as calling toll-free 1-800-CRUISE and the number one. That's 1-800-CRUISE-ONE or find us online at cruiseone.com. Mm. 
Each episode, we give you Porthole Cruise Magazine's Pick of the Week. If you've ever considered getting certified to scuba dive, now is probably a good time. That's because Patty, the world's largest diver training organization, announced its Countdown to 20 Million campaign, which will award a trip to Australia's Great Barrier Reef to the diver who receives the 20 millionth Patty scuba certification. The organization has been tracking certifications and an online counter on the Patty website provides daily updates as it approaches 20 million, which they expect to reach by late September. The promotion applies to both new and experienced divers who obtain any level of scuba certification at one of the more than 6,000 Patty dive centers or resorts worldwide. The diver to receive the 20 millionth certification will win an all-expense-paid trip for two to the Great Barrier Reef and other local attractions courtesy of Tourism Queensland. Dive excursions to the Great Barrier Reef will be provided by MV Spirit of Freedom, which includes a three-day, three-night live-aboard adventure to the reef's iconic dive sites. What's more, the Patty instructor to issue the 20 millionth diver certification and the affiliated dive center or resort will each receive a trip to Australia. Visit paddy.com for the most up-to-date countdown number and to find a Paddy Dive location. And in case you never heard of it, that's P-A-D-I dot com. When weather affects your cruise vacation, Cruise Radio is there. Faster alerts. Accurate forecasts. Complete coverage. Cruise Radio brings you Stormwatch 2011. Liam Bonneman and his family from Seattle were a part of the 6,000 guests staying at the Atlantis in Nassau, Bahamas, who decided to ride out the storm. He joins us now. Liam, welcome to Cruise Radio. Now, when did y'all get there? We got here Tuesday, Tuesday about noon. Right before y'all left, were y'all concerned? Uh, yeah, we were. We, uh, you know, as, as our flight approached, we were, you know, looking at the weather, and we see, <laughs> you know, uh, it was by then, I think it was a tropical storm over Puerto Rico. Yeah. So it just got named Irene. And looking at stormpulse.com and the ANOA websites, the track was putting it, you know, pretty darn close to Nassau at the time. So we're like, okay, what do we do? You know, do we cancel? Do we eat a bunch of, you know, huge cancellation fees? We're looking like 1800 bucks. Yeah. You know, we couldn't reschedule because the day we get back, the next day is my son's first day of school. Right. So we're like, okay, do we cancel? Do we try to book something else? What do we do? And, uh, Essentially, the decision came down to literally hours before we got on the plane, and we just decided, you know what? We we checked the we called the hotels, we called the hotel we were booked at, um, and we called uh, Atlantis to find out what their disaster plans were for the event of a hurricane. Right. And we were satisfied with both, so we we said, okay, let's do it. <laughs> so when did the weather start getting bad? Tuesday was beautiful. We got we actually got yeah. to enjoy the water park at Atlantis, and then. Uh, you know, just a few of the, you know, the regular squalls came through, and then it was just kind of Wednesday. It's, yeah, Wednesday morning was actually even nice, and then it started clouding in, and a few more squalls passed, and then it just just started getting breezy. The, the wind started picking up. We went out to the beach, and it was just a steady, you know, pretty pretty steady gale at that point. And what about this morning? This morning, yeah, this I was up most of the night. I, I was just enthralled. I was right. in and out on the balcony, just taking it in. The intensity increased all through the night, and I think the peak intensity is about 8 a.m. from what I could tell. Yeah. And, yeah, it was, it was, it was blowing pretty hard. You could, I could see the, you know, the rain blowing around the buildings, around, you know, the, the high-rises, and it sounded like a, a jet engine just blowing. It was amazing. At any point, were you concerned for y'all's safety? No, no. The hotel staff has been really, they've been on, kind of on top of, of the situation. They gave us, you know, notifications on what we were to do, 
they had a plan. You know, the, the plan was to be in our rooms by 3 o'clock Wednesday, right. and they would then take us to the grand ballroom and just basically, if necessary, put us all in there and then lock the door. So, you know, and <laughs> that's where we would stay to ride out the storm. Any uh, area damage? Immediate we, out, we finally were let out uh, about four o'clock this afternoon. So we strolled out and took a walk, and you know it's it's a lot of palm fronds broken, laying in the streets. A lot of just kind of random debris in the gutters, broken lights, lamp posts. Uh, we did see one steel gate ripped off ripped off of its uh, hinges, which was pretty impressive. It was thrown about yeah. I don't know 150 feet down into a, a, a cargo area. It was pretty pretty impressive. But nothing, no, no major structural damage that we could see. There were a few leaks in the hotel, roof leaks, and there was a few, you know, minor flooding, but nothing, nothing major at all. And what's the weather like right now? It is overcast, and just looking out of my window here, it's it looks calm. I mean, yeah. we're kind of on the leeward side of the building. I think it's yeah. still it's still blowing a little bit on the beach. Yeah. But if you were to look out right now, and this is all you would see, you would have not known that the, there was <laughs> a Category Three. 50 miles away just, right. you know, 12 hours ago. Liam Bonneman, thanks so much yes. for talking to us. We really appreciate it, and I hope the, uh, you. you're able to enjoy the rest of your trip. Thank you. appreciate that. Jennifer Natoso from the Weather Channel joins us now. Jennifer with Hurricane Irene making her way up the coast. I just want to know, for those who love to sail the Caribbean, what months are hurricanes most active? For the most part, they're neck and neck, but there are a couple of months where they differ slightly. For example, Cozumel is slightly more likely to see a tropical system than the Bahamas are in June. In July, they're about equal in August, they're about equal. In September, they're equal, and September certainly one of the most active months for the Caribbean and the Gulf of Mexico. Uh, October, a little bit more likely in the Bahamas, a little less likely by comparison uh, around Cozumel, and November, very unlikely around Cozumel, but still possible in the Bahamas. Selfishly speaking, uh, we here in Jacksonville have always been so lucky when it comes to hurricanes. And, and what, did, what do, is that attributed to? Is there's, uh, what, what is it exactly that causes the hurricanes to kind of bounce off of our invisible force field? Um, it is a very specific technical meteorological term called dumb luck. <laughs> I mean, there, there really is no explanation. You'll see things each year come out you know, that'll say, New York City is in trouble this year. If they got hit by a hurricane, they're, they're more likely this year because they haven't seen one in the past or anything. You know what? Uh, hurricanes are just like roulette. Just because you landed on black before doesn't mean you huh. can't land on black again. It resets every time. There's no, just because Jacksonville hasn't been hit, it's more likely to get hit now. Just because New York hasn't been hit in a long time, they're more likely to get hit now. Just because New Orleans got devastated a few years ago means that they're in the clear. It, it really means nothing. Scott Lair is with us. He is a Navy veteran and has spent quite a bit of time at sea during his career. Scott, welcome to Cruise Radio. Pleasure to be here. Thank you. Certainly you've had some harsh weather conditions while at sea. Uh, tell us a little bit about that. I was on a frigate in the Navy, and to kind of give your audience a comparison of, of how big a frigate is, it's like a small Holland America ship. And we hit some massive 45, 50-foot seas heading down to Puerto Rico. 
and uh, it was scary. Uh, if you've seen any kind of videos on YouTube of cruise ships uh, taking a beating, I mean, it was like you're going up, way high up, and boom, you come down hard. Well, and it was really scary. The guys on the ship were sick. Uh, I was a radarman, so I'm sitting there at the radar screen trying to, to keep everything together. But uh, it was it was pretty scary. Let me ask you this. I've seen a lot of YouTube videos of ships in rough weather um, from an outside point of view. But what is it like being in there, being tossed and turned like a rag doll? Well, I was just going to just to add to that, um, in addition to seat belts, I'm assuming you have like shoulder straps in your chairs. Yeah, that's actually a good question. We did have seat belts, but we do not have like the shoulder straps you would see like in a, a Cobra or a car like that. It's not like you're a, an F-18 jet fighter pilot, but you do have seatbelts. That's absolutely correct. When you're sitting there on the bridge or in the combat information center where I would hang out, yeah, you had seatbelts, and right next to you, you had something to throw up in. And I hate to be graphic, but, I mean, it was bad, especially in those heavy seas. Fortunately today, guys, you know, with these cruise ships, the Oasis, the Allure, the Solstice, these are huge ships with a lot of tonnage. You have a lot of people on them. You have stabilizers. So, honestly, it's, it's night and day compared to what a cruise ship a liner is. During bad weather like that, is there a certain way they navigate the ships? Yeah, they do, to, for the most part, do try to go into the wave where they're trying to take it head on like that. But, like, for cruise ships, you know, they are keeping in mind, A, the safety of the passengers and also keeping them healthy so they can go to the bars, so they can go to the casinos and continue to spend that money. So they are going to navigate the best way they can uh, to keep to keep the ship safe and uh, to keep the people uh, healthy as possible. All right. Thank you so much for sharing your experience. And uh, thank you for your service, too, Scott. We appreciate that. It's always a pleasure to be on the show, guys. Thank you. All right. That's going to do it. Coming up next week, we'll talk to our Australian correspondent from eTravel Blackboard, Natalie Arroyan. She'll be interviewing the CEO of Celebrity Cruises, Dan Hanrahan. And, of course, Stuart Sheeran, the cruise guy, will be back with us. And as always, if you haven't downloaded the Stitcher Radio app yet, it's a free app. You can take Cruise Radio on the go with you anywhere you want. Actually, Cruise Radio and a lot of other cool shows as well. To find out more, go to cruiseradio.net and click the Stitcher radio icon. If you want to stay on top of the latest cruise news, go to cruiseradio.net and enter your email address under where it says instant email updates. From the Cruise Radio studios in Jacksonville, Florida, I'm Matt Basford. And I'm Doug Parker. And this is Cruise Radio. Thanks for listening to Cruise Radio. For information on how your company can reach over 100,000 travel enthusiasts a week, email sales at cruiseradio.net. Find Cruise Radio on iTunes, Twitter, Facebook, and LinkedIn. Just search Cruise Radio. I'm your announcer.